The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. interrupt our program to bring you this important message. start with like one of your friends being like hey so i heard so-and-so has a crush on you and then you start thinking about it and you're like back huh. in the day remember that yeah and then dude i remember that being a kid being like you really think she likes me yeah i think she likes you and then there was this thing where you just can't stop thinking about it and you're like hmm and then you kind of start to like that person too yeah, and then yeah. you're like well maybe i'll just give it a shot yeah but there's no and and again do you believe in soulmates? Like, do you believe in that idea? I was listening to a, I listened to this podcast called Speak Between the Lines. I really like it. It's three black dudes in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really kind of cool to listen to those guys talk and hear their, the, you know, their perspective on things. Um, not just from a different culture, but also because they're in a different part of the country. You know yeah. I mean? So it's kind of cool uh, listening to them. But they were they had a, a two part episode recently where they brought on these three ladies that do a podcast together themselves. And it was almost like a um, men's view and women's view on things. And so they had certain questions that like the man answered, the men answered, the women answered, and they really kind of had conversations about it. And one of them was, do you believe in soulmates? Okay. And I was surprised how like the majority of the girls were like, not really. And the majority of the men were like, yeah. Yeah. So what? Because in my mind, I don't know why, and maybe it's just an old school kind of way, you know, that sexist kind of thinking maybe, but I always thought like the females were always like that soulmate thing with the with the the uh, diary with the lock on it and so-and-so, you know, he's my soulmate thing. Dog, this is not the notebook. I need ah. you to relax. No. <laughs> so You said this ain't a notebook. No, like, so the way I look at like soulmates, I definitely don't look at it in a romantic sense. I totally don't believe in soulmates like that. Right. But like, I think. But soulmates in terms of like the idea is that in some ethereal universe, Mm -hmm. the spirit in you has a connection already. And now on Earth, you found each other. Yeah. So like, I think like me and Kat always call each other soulmates because we're like the same person and we grew up the same and like we're very similar. We can finish each other's sentences. I see. I see how you mean it then. Okay. Yeah. So I feel that. Yeah. I've in like friendships and stuff i believe in it like i would say there's no like one soulmate either there's like many people that could be you connect with yeah but like in a romantic sense absolutely not i think for (laughs) absolutely not i I think for like a men's perspective they probably think about their soulmate because women generally take care of the men like okay so that they're looking for the caretaker for them Kind of like what I was just saying to you that the man's pride sometimes gets hurt when the woman gets a f- mad with that. Like the guy can get annoyed with the woman, right? And yeah. this is not, I'm not saying this is the rule or this is even how I believe. But generally speaking, 
uh, a man gets annoyed with a woman their par- who's a their partner and um in their mind it's there's a reason for it like mm-hmm. it's justified right and when the woman returns that it's like yo <laughs> you're supposed to love me and take care of me yeah you're not supposed to be mad at me like this <laughs> you know what i mean yeah no that's exactly <laughs> why women don't believe in soulmates and men do because men look at everything like in a romantic sense when realistically a woman just always ends up carrying a burden that men don't realize damn speak the truth here we go like they just do like even in day-to-day life yeah. like i take care of the groceries make sure everything's clean make sure dinner's cooked make sure blah blah, blah. make sure appointments are made all of that stuff and i'll like, tell you aaron does the same i'm not even gonna lie and pretend like i'm this dude that's like oh i take care of stuff i will i'm willing to do them but aaron is the one that does she pays all the bills she goes grocery shopping she takes care of the house she takes care of the dogs I, and cooks most of the meals. Like I'll cook too, but she cooks most of them. That's the truth. Yeah, so, it's crazy. You're right, but so, not in a way where I'm like, take care of me. It's just kind of like women do that. They do take on a role in which they they generally speaking, you know, feel like they want to take care of or get things done. Be the ones that are, you know, organizing it. Yeah. So that's why for men, it's more of like. I found my soulmate. Because like when someone takes care of you to an extent where you quite enjoy. <laughs> it's that's, heaven. Yeah. But for like a woman, it's just not like that. Like we find people that we can deal with. Like we know we have to do all the extra stuff. Like that's just always how it is. There's never a time where I've ever dated anyone and they've like taken care of the things. It was really? always me yelling at someone because fucking they forgot to pay the phone bill or whatever. And then it was like, well, I guess I'll just do it because no one else can do it. Look at Courtney checking me, making me feel bad now. Aaron's going to come home. I'll be like, I'm going to take care of everything <laughs> for the rest of this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, it's just a, a woman has a re- more realistic on like the life aspect because she just takes care of it as a whole. Like, it's a very almost maternal aspect of a woman. And it's a definitely a different experience, right? Like, your, your reality as a woman is different than my reality as a man. Yeah. So, the way the world reacts to you, the way you're expected to carry yourself, even from little, what you're kind of molded to be or believe or think as a woman in, in our country, in this world, is a different experience from mine, completely. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. so, it's, for me, it's it's also kind of this thing of, like, I don't understand that innate drive or whatever it is that that pushes women to be this kind of like, we're going to take care of it. I'm going to do this, right? I don't know what it is. I don't get it. Not that I don't have any, like I'm lazy or don't want to do things, but I don't have this kind of, well, it's not true because certain times it's like, I want to make sure I'm taking care of it. I have, you know, I, I take a responsibility to say that I'm going to be the one to take care of these things and I'll do it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But overall, like the the basic necessities of like you said, cooking, cleaning, grocery shopping, taking care of the bills, setting the appointments, all those things that is it because men feel like those are just trivial? Like there's more important things to focus on that those things are just kind of like it's an annoyance to have to. All right, I'll go to the store to get the food. But you know what? I have this to worry about, too. I want to worry about this. Do you think that's the case? And if so, or if not. Is it still like that nowadays, like the way things are changing? I would say it was more getting things done in a timely manner. Men have a tendency of procrastinating a lot. (laughs) So everything that they do is like, 
you can tell them, hey, can you make the doctor's appointment? And then it turns into not making the doctor's appointment till you know, the day before you're supposed to be somewhere. When that lump is super big. Yeah. Like, what the hell's on the side of your head? Oh, shit. That's right. I got to call the doctor. Yeah, exactly. So, like, women just do things immediately. Like, just in my own experience. But. No, it's true. It's That's Aaron, too, dude. She She does not, like. First thing she does when she, because we run our dishwasher overnight, right? Yeah. First thing she does when she gets up in the morning, she gets up and she literally goes out in the kitchen and empties the dishwasher. And I'm like, and I'm talking even on the weekends. And I'm like, bruh, chill. Have a seat on the couch. It's Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Have a seat on the couch. Relax. I'll take care of it after breakfast. <laughs> yeah, no. See, I'm not like that. I like... I'm also like an organized, like I have a schedule. I do things in a certain time. Like literally, I wake up in the morning, get myself ready for work. I'm out the door by 5.50 to be to work at 6. I come home at around 12, 12.15 to let out Freya. Then I go back to work, do whatever, go to the gym. I get to the gym around 3, leave there around 4, 4.30, go grocery shopping Go straight home, unload the dishwasher, put the dishes in from the night before, start cooking dinner, let Freya out, make sure, whatever, take her on a walk. And this is all even before Devin gets home from work. Damn. Yeah. Like. Fellas need to step up. That's the truth. But how would it feel? Would it feel like you're okay with it? Or would you prefer? No, don't worry. I want to take care of it because it'll set something in your mind to set you at ease that things are taken care of. No, I would definitely enjoy some help, but like, it's a double-edged sh- sword too because like, also perfectionist. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes people don't do things the way that I want them done, or like when Devin cooks, he doesn't clean up the way that I clean up. When like <laughs> I while I'm cooking, I'm also cleaning. So like when stuff pops on the walls, I'm wiping it down. As I feel like, that too, dude. I'm all about cleaning when I cook. Yeah, but like. Deb, don't do that. So then it's like, great, now I got clean snow. You know, it's like, <laughs> so it's kind of a, the. Yeah, I got you. But it's so, also. But you do believe in soulmates in term in, in the idea that somehow before our experience here on earth, whatever it is, this, if you call it a soul, a spirit, uh, whatever, do you, you have this belief that somehow there was this connection with whoever you come across throughout the world? When that hits, you're like, oh, we knew each other before. Like, yeah. this is our second go round. You know what I mean? Or, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You really think that, huh? Well, because I, I kind of look at it where everybody's like a soul and energy. So, like, when yeah. you die, you kind of get washed and then you come back around. So, like, I'm sure you're going to meet so many people in so many lifetimes kind of thing. You just don't know it. And then Interesting. You, then you find each other because there's then, always those people that you just click with. But then that really speaks to. So what does that mean then? Right. Like, what does it mean to be when you're not in a human body? Where are you then? What's what is there? Right. Like, so when you die, mm-hmm. there's this idea that your soul goes somewhere else, gets cleaned and then comes back. But yeah. what's that somewhere else? I like mean, a giant washing machine in the sky? You could just be it like popped any, right back like, into a uterus or a something like. You think it's just like a an whatever the process. I guess it doesn't time wouldn't work the same if you start going that crazy deep. Yeah. Talking because it all just depends, especially because like they say that when you're when you're dying or like in if you've ever been in a state like if that, you know, one second or whatever that you were out, it could feel like a lifetime. 
Yeah. Like some people that say that they've had, you know, experiences or out of body experiences because they're they were dead on a table. Well, that's interesting. You bring it up. Oh, because this is tube time. I'm Chris. I'm Courtney. But this is not tube time. This is we interrupt this program. Yeah, you got it. Woo. I'm bringing. Yeah. See, I've been practicing. (laughs) I sit up here by myself late at night after Aaron goes to bed and I just keep saying it over and over so that I don't (laughs) mess it up. Um. Yeah, dude. So this week I decided I was going to come. We talked about it last last time that I'm going to come back with something that's somewhat paranormal, unexplained, weird. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I joked about UFOs, Bigfoot, things like that, because that's typically those types of conversations. Right. And I was just like, ah, that's that's easy. Let's talk about something like people don't normally talk about. Right. Okay. So I wanted to talk about near death experiences, what people experience when they die. Okay. And then they come back and they're like, this is what I saw. This is what I experienced. All right. Right. So it's what I decided to do is I decided to find three different experiences on, on different news things. Um, and I'm just going to kind of read them and we'll talk about them. All right. So let's see. Let's do this one first. This was uh, a year ago. This comes from Fox59.com uh, written by George Knapp. After three near-death experiences, this man's mission is to comfort dying veterans. Three. Yes. What's like, when he says near-death, like, does he say like he stepped over a bomb and it blew up like an inch away from him or like he was on a table almost dead and... I don't even know. We're about to dive into this. Oh, okay. (laughs) He goes, what happens? uh, This says, what happens to us when we die? Scientists say physical death is the end of life. Religion believes our souls are immortal, but where we go depends on what we did in life. One Southern Nevada man believes both sides are wrong. Uh, Writer and speaker Danian Brinkley says that he has seen the other side at least three times. I want to know what these three times are. Brinkley was a star athlete, U.S. Marine, and a successful businessman, not very interested in spiritual matters. But that changed in 1975 when a bolt of lightning struck a telephone pole, traveled down the phone line, and slammed into his body, melting the phone he was holding. So that means he was like in the house when the, the line went through. That's crazy. Because I remember that being a thing when there were landlines. Like if, mm-hmm. it, if, there's, a, if there's a lightning storm... Get off the phones because the lightning can travel through the phone lines and really? literally shock you, explode through the phone. I've for real. never heard that. Here's another one. Don't sit on the toilet. What? And don't. Yes. Why not? Look up on look on Google and I'll tell people to check this out too. on Google. Just type in um, lightning uh, toilet explosion. It will travel through pipes and the water like because the water conducts the electricity and explode through the toilet. What the fuck? Legit. And showers, too. So, like, so you're not supposed to take showers or baths when there's a lightning storm. Well, I've literally never heard of that, and I guess that's lucky I've never yeah, died. Yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> well, a lot of it's, it's it's rare, but there's a chance. And if there's a chance, I'm like, I don't know if I want to try that, especially that way, bro. Like, there's times I'd take a chance on something, even if it meant death. Like, hey, maybe bungee jumping or, or skydiving. I mean, probably not. But that one, I don't know. I don't feel like I would want to die with an explosion of electricity up my ass. <laughs> some like final destination (laughs) shit like i want to see that episode or i want to see that movie where like some dudes just sitting on the toilet trying to drop a deuce and you know how everybody like plays on their phone so he's like elbows in the knees kind of (laughs) thing all on his phone and then all of a sudden like he just gets like fucking shocked right up the pooper and then he falls off that would be amazing dude (laughs) 
Um, okay, so he got hit by this lightning, right? This is what he says. It went into the side of my head above my ear, and it went down my spine. It welded the nails of the heels of my shoes to the floor. It threw me in the air, and I saw. Th- I see the ceiling. It slams me b- back down. A ball of fire comes through the room and blinds me. I am burning. I'm on fire, and I'm paralyzed. Then, the fuck? <laughs> then Brinkley says he left his body. He floated along with the ambulance as it raced to a hospital, and he watched from above as doctors declared him dead. He said 28 minutes later, he awoke in the hospital morgue. Can you imagine that, dude? Is this real? Legit. Legit. That's kind of crazy. That's happened before. People have woken up in morgues before because they've been incorrectly uh, said that they were dead. Do you know what I mean? Well, fun fact. They used to build coffins with like bells and shit on the inside because they used to bury people because they were in a coma. Oh, it was a string. The string would go up and the bell would be above the grave. Yeah. Right. And so they would ring the bell. And so actually two phrases in the human language came from that. Um, uh, Dead ringer Mm -hmm. came from that. If you look like someone who was a dead ringer because you look like somebody else or um, saved by the bell. It comes from that, too. Isn't that funny? Okay. Anyway, so... uh, during those 28 minutes, he says his consciousness traveled through a tunnel where he encountered a spiritual being of light and underwent a grueling replay of his entire life as seen not only from his own perspective, but everyone he ever encountered. Something he says was extremely humbling. Now, this is his quote. He says, I saw my entire life past performing a 360 degree panorama. I had missed nothing. You know how many hairs were in the nose of the doctor who pulled you from your mother. You know everything that there is from the time you open your eyes. You have complete cognitive awareness, no doubt about it. And that's all happening at the same time. Then you watch the same life from a second person point of view as if you were your own best friend. So you can see how silly, how funny, how dumb, how stupid it was. But it's one of your best, fr- it's one of your best friend, you know. I don't know what that means. There's no judgments, just looking. And then you literally become every person you ever encounter and you feel the direct results of your interaction between you and that person. So no one gets away with anyone, anything. Sounds like he went on like a mean ayahuasca trip. What do you think about that though? Wouldn't that be, that's going to be crazy. Because let's be honest, right? We We think back on our lives and we think about like, Oh, God, I was so stupid when I was like that. And there's a lot of things a lot of us are very embarrassed about, things we would never even tell our mm-hmm. you know, our deepest whatever that we've done or thought of or, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, imagine having to kind of watch it and then through the eyes and experiencing that again and then see it from the outside and watch it go down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oof. Or that- think about if like you were traumatized. You have to go through that again. And yeah, you have to watch it too, not just go through it, but watch it. And like, say, like you know, you had a parent that beat you. Now you're gonna see it from your parents' eyes. Yeah, like what the fuck? Holy shit, that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, but I mean, to be honest, it sounds like a plausible situation. Crazy. Like I've done psychedelics, a lot of different kinds, and I've definitely had a situation where like I was seeing my own memories, like. Damn. played back to me like it was a movie and it was crazy damn he says and then in a flash he was back in his severely injured body it took him two years to be able to walk again he didn't tell many people what had happened and when he did tell his family they didn't believe it in the same year as the lightning bolt incident a georgia physician dr raymond moody wrote a book life after life and coined the term near-death experience so that wasn't even a term back when this happened right mm-hmm. so in 1989 
during open heart surgery, Brinkley died again. Dog, this dude needs to like live in a bubble because clearly he is not it. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> and once again, he said he visited what he perceived to be the afterlife. Brinkley, who later had yet another near-death experience during brain surgery. Bro, just stop going to the doctors. He like, says he's happy to take on any doubters, uh, including religious leaders, about what happens when we die. He said, if I didn't go to hell in the last four journeys, nobody's going to hell, okay? So when you learn you don't die, when you learn you're a spiritual being, when you're not going to go to hell, that's enough to inspire you to change. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. So he puts his beliefs into actions. For decades, he's been counseling terminally ill patients. Specifically, he's counseling his fellow veterans, assuring them that they have nothing to fear from death. He spent over 10,000 hours at uh, bedsides of the dying, and he's been with more than 2,000 people as they've died and passed on. That's crazy. I would love to talk to that dude because that right? dude sounds interesting. So that's one of the experiences. Um that sounds crazy, but I mean, I remember uh, seeing something. I f- don't remember what, and I wish I could find it, but it was a documentary and it was a, a neuroscientist, a neurologist who mm-hmm. died, had a near death experience. So somebody who understands science and the brain and how it works. And he said, yes, you should be able to see unlock memories, this and that. But his experience was he was a butterfly flying okay. through fields and stuff and making his way through all kinds of stuff. Like it was insane. I'm like, the hell memory is that son yeah what are you what so there's one okay there's one of the the near-death experiences here's another one this is from global news his past life he was a butterfly maybe right or like maybe there's something to this thing about like certain insects and animals carry the spirits or souls through whatever who knows right like the crow, right? Yeah. It carries the souls back. Anyway, Global News Canada. Uh, this is by Jacqueline Carbone. This is 2020, February 2020. Near-death experience. A London man shares uh, what it's like to die and then come back. So Adam Tapp was 35 years old when he died. A paramedic in London for 15 years, Tapp was doing some woodworking in his shop on February 28, 2018, when, as he says, he got a little cavalier with a wood etching device. The device arced into his hand and electrocuted him. His heart stopped for 11 and a half minutes. How the fuck did it electrocute him? Because um, you ever see wood burning things? Those yeah. little things? It's electricity. And so something happened and it came back on his hand and it touched him. And you're not supposed to touch those. And it electrocuted him. Okay. He said, it was like someone flipped a switch. All of my senses were overwhelmed by 12,000 volts of DC electricity. It was one of the most excruciatingly painful things I ever experienced. I remember forcing thoughts like, I think I'm being electrocuted. That's insane to think that you're forcing your thoughts to say, I think I'm being electrocuted because you can't really grasp thinking in that moment. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Your brain's so overwhelmed. Well, have you ever been electrocuted? When I was a kid, I remember doing that thing where we thought it was kind of funny when you felt that buzz putting the uh, plug into the wall. We were stupid, dude. We were just what? Touch- we were touching, be like, oh god damn it! No, see, I really like for real electrocuted myself once. What? On How? Yeah. What? So, when I was a kid, we my parents' house now like is in a basement. Yeah. And like the light switch to turn the light off and on was actually upstairs in the bathroom. Okay. So before you went downstairs, you're supposed to turn the light off and on, whatever. 
Well, the light had burned out and I didn't realize that the light switch was still on. So I had unscrewed the light bulb in the dark because <laughs> back then I didn't have like a cell yeah. phone with a flashlight. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> um, and then I went to plug it to put the bulb back in. So I'm feeling around. Oh, shit. And my fucking finger went oh, right fuck. into the socket, the socket and uh. it was on. And I literally like jumped in the air and screamed like it just like felt like a, a <laughs> right vibration through, yeah. yeah right through my entire body it was crazy did you almost die did you see the, like the tunnel no i was <laughs> fine i was just like if anything my fingers felt a little weird like shaky well this dude died for 11 and a half minutes <laughs> luckily tap had a friend with him who had recently taken high voltage safety course uh mark wilson disconnected tap and called for tap's wife stephanie stephanie is a cardiac rn and immediately started cpr they quickly called 911 the ambulance showed up and two of his fellow paramedics drilled a hole into his shoulder bone for drug access. That's insane. They gave him epinephrine and defibrillated him twice before bringing him back to the land of the living. He didn't wake up for six hours, and when he did, he was in the ICU intubated, which he says is a strange way to wake up. And while he was essentially dead to the world, he said he had a profound experience. All of a sudden, I just woke up in a place that seemingly I'd always been. It was black and it was kind of and it kind of seemed like space. Tap said that uh, he then felt a frequency wash over him and saw what looked like, quote, gasoline on water with all these geometric shapes and patterns, adding that something was communicating with him through thoughts and feelings and emotions. He says, I just started fading into the fabric of the universe. It was so warm and peaceful and pleasant. He eventually woke up from the coma. Um, he asked how long he had been out and said if, uh, if he was told 30 years, he would have believed it. His sense of time was a bit confused, but what was more surprising is that he didn't feel quite at home in his body anymore. It actually took me a while to feel comfortable in my body, just breathing. I was so hyper aware of having to take a breath. It took me a couple months. I just felt so foreign in my body. That's interesting. But so that's how a the completely fuck he... different feeling from what the other guy experienced yeah. and saw. But like I mean, he didn't see himself. He wasn't above his body. He didn't see his whole life experiences. Now he's seeing geometric patterns. He's getting communication from some other being that made him feel, you know, safe and warm and melting and like. Yeah, but it could have been like different levels of dead, different levels of consciousness. And like every DMT trip is different. Like they say that, you know, before you die, you basically run through the best DMT trip ever in the history of the world. Yeah, because your, your brain's supposed to be releasing all the DMT at once and not like not and not consuming it, right? Like that's yeah. the idea. You, that's why you're feeling that. Um, there was this thing that I talked to you about this that on the news, I think it was like last month, that scientists for the first time ever were able to measure brain activity after someone dies, while they die and after. Really? Yes, they were studying someone who had epilepsy, this old person, and so all of the brain stuff that was hooked up for them was for epileptic studies well the person ended up dying and passing on but they were still connected and all the data was being recorded as to what what was firing off and what was going on and they were saying that all of a sudden there's a part of your brain that holds all of the different things that may have been stored as you're growing up and like everything becomes extremely active and so that there probably is a truth to this idea that you relive your life yeah. And in your mind, you're reliving it in real time. You're just kind of living through your life again. That's kind of crazy. 
and cool and interesting. It's kind of crazy, but what does that make you feel like now? Like, what if I'm just dead and I'm just reliving this right now because I'm dead somewhere? Oh, I'm fine with it. <laughs> You're like, you know, I don't care. I'm I was going to say, happens. whatever. Either way, I'm still rolling in this bitch. So whatever. <laughs> still got to pay a mortgage. <laughs> yeah. Fuck them bills, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's our last one. You ready for this? This is from uh, express.co.uk. Uh, let's see who wrote this. Sean Martin. Life after death. Woman recalls horrible near-death experience. Oh, come on. She Don't says, hit me with some nightmare shit now. Terrifies me even now. Here we go. Many people claim to experience euphoria in near-death experiences, but one woman claims to have felt an evil presence. Oh, great. The person who gives her name as just Sandy temporarily died following a heart attack and said her heart stopped for 12 minutes. I was told that I had How no pulse or brain movement. How are these motherfuckers dying for 10, 12, 15 fucking minutes and they're not brain dead? Like, I thought you could only not have oxygen for a certain period of time. I don't know, bro. I don't know. I'm just questioning all of this because <laughs> it this does say shit. here that she says she had no brain movement for 12 minutes. So maybe they thought she was going to be brain dead, too. And then she just came back, which mm. is crazy, right? Yeah. During that 12. We'll see. The thing is, is they're not hooked up to see if the brain's actually yeah. really working. Right. They're only knowing based on what she's you know how she's reacting, I guess. During that 12 minutes, Sandy claims to experience something so evil. She has not been the same since. Uh, writing on the near death experience research foundation, she said, I started to feel myself fade farther away, but yet I knew exactly where I was lying. Although I was there, I was a million miles away. My friends tell me that I blacked out and I was unresponsive. Um, oh, God damn it. Uh, yet I can tell them exactly what they were talking about, where they were, and what they had in their hands at the time. I saw everything, despite my eyes being closed. I tried to hold on to memories, but nothing was working as everything was fading. Then something was with me. It terrified me. I saw darkness that felt so dark and evil. I was trying to scream, but I couldn't. Everything I oh, tried that's to... that's the worst. Come on. Uh, everything I tried to hold on to faded while something was pushing me and telling me to move and go with them. I felt such a horrible presence that it terrifies me even now as I think about it. Some researchers, however, have said these visions are a normal phenomenon and not necessarily a sign of an afterlife. Well, either way, her sounds real rapey. It's crazy, right? Like, that's fucked. I've never heard of, like, a bad near-death experience. Usually they're like, rainbows, butterflies. I felt amazing. So that was the last one I was going to read. I only brought three for today. Three different, completely different experiences. One with a person who was very aware, hovering above the ambulance, was there in the moment, saw all this stuff go down, right? Um, and every time he was there, he came in contact with the light being, you know, mm -hmm. it was that thing, right? It's just everything's different for every single person. Like, why would you think that is? So the way I look at it is when you're rolling into the afterlife, you're experiencing the most intense DMT trip ever. So from my experience with DMT, each experience is different because each person's like personality and like just the way they think is different. So you're not going to have. So your brain basically controlling your experience, your brain. Yeah. Because your brain stores everything from birth to your death, every experience you have, everything and how you do anything, your personality, your everything's in your brain. So this up here is controlling how we're going to experience the transition. Yeah. Like I, every time I've done it, one, I don't always fully like immerse because that's another thing is that your like brain won't go there unless it's ready. 
So the times that I have, I always see things that are bright and colorful and beautiful and geometric. geometric. Yeah, the patterns. Yeah. Are they like, when you say colorful, are they like, are the lines themselves colors or are they like glowing or like, what's the, is there colors it's behind it, it with this, it's, with these going on? It's like every color in the entire world all at once. But like, but what, like shimmering, see, shooting, like what does it look like? A pattern? When I seen it, when I was like going through the tunnel, it's like this whole crazy geometric pattern but it's like all swirling at once and it's all different shapes and colors all at the same time but it's like bright and like beautiful it's Damn. it's intense and it's hard to explain unless you've like Ex- been yeah. there but it's literally everything all at once and it's hard i always try to get when because i've i've known people who are artistic right who Mm-hmm. have experienced psychedelics and i always try to get them to explain it to me like describe it because you're artistic you should be able to actually kind of describe it a little easier than the normal person would you know yeah and it, but every time it's always this kind of like there's no words for what i experienced bro like i could show you i could tell you a little bit but it doesn't it's not a, the words aren't the right words to say it yeah because it's <laughs> something that you'll never experience in the real world like unless you go into like that fifth dimension or whatever the fuck it is yeah. like you're not going to ever 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 come across see experience happenstance like even a person painting something that they've seen like it just doesn't do it justice it's like taking a photo of a waterfall and like being there it's more powerful yeah okay you oh know? that's a good analogy i get you it's just it's something that it's so hard to explain and like i can literally see it like in my head yeah but i could never just like, replicate it yeah damn that's crazy i guess that's how these people feel too right like she can only tell us her experiences saying dark and evil because those are the words that make sense to her but who knows what that experience was really like yeah. maybe that dark and evil is her fear of the darkness that the other guy experienced when he was kind of like just in space and she's like oh you know what i mean like maybe it's the i don't know it's um it could also be like whether a person how how they feel about death. Yeah. Cuz like if you're scared of death, I feel like that could be a reason that it would come across more of like an anxiety-driven thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I used to when I was younger, I used to say to myself that I wasn't afraid of death. Um I used to really not really worry too much about it and I used to think to myself whatever, right? And it's and as I get older, I don't think I feel like I'm scared of it. I think what it is 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 like as you continue to get older, you start to be like, oh, shit, man. I guess I am mortal. You're not scared in that you're not like, oh, God. It's just kind of like, I don't want it to be done yet, dude. Like, hold on. Slam- pump those brakes, son. Yeah. Like, this is going way too fucking fast, kid. Like, I used to, I remember being 20 and now I'm not. Like, no, no, yeah. this is too fast. You know what I mean? So that's how I see death. Now, I'm not afraid of it in terms of like, oh, my God, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm so scared. It's not that. It's more along the lines of not basically dreading the idea that there is an end to this experience right yeah. because i kind of like this experience even though it can be shitty sometimes mm-hmm. you know and even though it can be painful i feel like this experience is kind of cool no it <laughs> you know is because I mean? it's like you get to feel so many things like yeah and you get joy out of so many things that are here but i guess like with anything there's got to be like it's got to be a an next end, level right? like there has to be yeah something do you do you have the same so you were talking about souls and this idea that when you do move on there's this cleansing and maybe you come back right do you believe that there's also 
other things like out there in space world other dimensions and different realities oh, yeah. that that's where we could end up to and not even remember what this means or any of this yeah I that's totally. a crazy idea isn't it yeah but like it's not because there's just i mean this is a crazy idea like we started out just like any other animal and like now we're sitting here on microphones recording Record- ourselves yeah. because other people are going to listen to us after the fact so it's kind of like a time traveling thing too we've learned how to freeze moments in time so that later in time people can still experience isn't that a weird thing to think about too yeah like we can literally capture moments like just recordings and camera that's why everybody loves like taking photos of everything food hair whatever because it's like your favorite moment in yeah you want to hold on to it yeah Yeah. but yo if the if some of these experiences are real there's a chance we're going to experience it all over again anyway. Yeah. Right? We're going to experience it all over again. And damn, we're going to experience it from different perspectives, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, but I guess it's kind of another way, too, for you to, like, fully understand yourself. Because, like, even as I grow older and, like, I look at how I used to be from, like, an adult perspective, I was a little piece of shit. Yeah, we were. Yeah. All of us, I feel like. A lot of us were. Yeah, but like you don't really get to experience how you made people feel. You just felt what you were feeling. Yeah. So like seeing something from another perspective and like watching it from like all at once kind of thing. Yeah. It's a lot more like you get to experience it more. Yeah. There's a there was this thing. I I don't know if I read it or saw it somewhere, but uh, but there's this belief that whatever we are, spirit, souls, whatever we are, that the whole point to being on earth in this experience is for that is to experience is to feel is mm-hmm. to know love is to understand what it is to have emotions and, and to, to experience those things. And so maybe the whole process of leaving, right. And, and seeing it from all perspectives and all this is part of that thing is to be us to be able to kind of get the whole picture behind the experience we were supposed to have. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Dude, I don't know. Whatever the case is, I feel like for me, I want to, um, I feel like, you know, reading some of these stories, because I was doing a lot of different articles. I was reading a bunch of them, right? And so I was reading all kinds of stuff. And there was ones where people, like, there was these brick roads and they were walking the roads through forests and stuff. Like, there's all of these different experiences. Uh, These were the ones that really just kind of stuck to me because I was like, dang, that's crazy, right? Yeah. I don't know. For me, I just feel like maybe it makes me feel like as we get closer to death, Maybe it's good to think about it more. Maybe it's good to process it. Maybe it's good to kind of prepare so that when it's time for that transition, it's not as anxiety inducing and maybe the experience will be as nice as like this melting into the universe thing. You know what I mean? Well, I honestly don't think that people are scared of death itself. They're scared of what happens after death. Right. Exactly. So like... Or what the experience of dying would be. Like, yeah. what is that going to feel like? You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember when my dad was telling me, um, my grandmother, this was a long time ago, dude. I was probably like eight. No, I was nine or 10 when she died of cancer. Um, but he told me like, because uh, me and my dad have talked about dreams before. Mm-hmm. Because we've had like weird dreams. And um, there's one experience I'll tell you about at some point. But uh, with he told me one time that he had a dream that his mother came to visit him you know, from the, from the other side. And she was just like, you know, talking to him and just saying, you know, everything's fine. You know, don't worry about me. Don't be sad because I'm, everything is good. Like, trust me. It's not what we think. It's going to be fine. She goes, the scariest part she said was when your heart stops. That's when it's scary. Cause then you're like, and then that's it. I was like, 
And when he told me that, I was just thinking I, that stayed in my head. And it still does. The fact that I can still remember to this day that stayed in my head for so long, like for weeks and weeks after I would just think about it nonstop. Like we're going to be typically if you're dying in a dying fashion, not like in a car crash or something instant. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when you're dying, you're going to be aware that your heart stops. Yeah. That's a fucking crazy thing to think about. Well, when my grandmother died, uh, she had was like on the phone with my dad she called him and she was like freaking out my dad's like relax my like what, what's going on and she's like i'm not ready yet and then like they ended up finding her dead uh, so like i think pe- people definitely know like you can feel when something's wrong with you damn that's crazy yeah oh man that's some crazy talk <laughs> i know but like death is one of those things where like i don't really want to die but realistically i don't really want to get old like, you know, it's just... Yeah, yeah. You don't want to have that experience where you're so decrepit. Yeah, right? like... Like, yeah, me neither. No. I don't know. You know what? I'm always hoping that... Have you ever heard of transhumanism? This idea that we're going to kind of start melding human, like, like organic material to machines mm-hmm. and hopefully figure out how to transition consciousness as well so that we can be within machines instead and you don't have to worry about your body dying and you can your consciousness can continue to live as long as you need it to live. Yeah, but then you'd continue to live as like just the singular Robots. person. Yeah. Weird, huh? Yeah. But that's the but thing. But you, like, you check out when you want, right? Instead of like dying in a certain way, you're like, all right, you know, I'm good. I know. It's but It's 2343. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Pull I mean, the plug. I say I don't want to die and all that stuff, but like when some stuff like that, like I always get like kind of sketchy on because it's like that disrupts the natural order of life and like everything happens for a reason, like especially in the environment. So it's like if we're stopping ourselves from our natural progression, yeah, Yeah. then like what the fuck, like we're going to rip a hole in the universe and all the souls are going to like get stuck and people aren't going to be reborn because other souls are still stuck like it is funny when you think about that when you because i what you were just saying about natural and nature right like i always feel like nature is what shows us how things work mm-hmm. right there if you watch nature it tells you how things are going to happen yeah because we go through seasons and you watch lee like we always look at the fall we look at these beautiful colors and everybody's like oh this is so gorgeous and i always thought how how ironic it is because what we're saying is death is beautiful because what we're literally seeing is the death of all of these trees. We're watching the death of the leaves. We're watching the death of earth in this in in death quote unquote. Right. Yeah. Because the idea is, is there's a recycling, there's Mm -hmm. a, there's a rebirth. And so maybe that's the answer, right? Like don't worry because people who are afraid whether there's anything coming or is it just black or what happens? I mean, I feel like look at the order of, what we see around us and it shows us that there's cycles yeah interesting and like trees are really a good example because like it's the base so like we're all part of some base consciousness or base something something yeah and then we're each our own kind of branches yeah branches and then leaves right like Yeah. yeah that's crazy interesting boy this one got deep I know, right? And we didn't even do psychedelics while we're talking. On I this. know. I haven't even done like psych- <laughs> I haven't done psychedelics in like over a year. It's been so long. I just want to take a fucking trip on my uh, favorite rocket ship. <laughs> uh, maybe on the next episode. No, I'm just I know. <laughs> um, but anyway, so there you go. There's, uh, there's. Um, we interrupt this program, and uh, yeah, we're talk. We talked about near death experiences for listeners. It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts. Uh, feel free to leave comments on our social media, Instagram. And Facebook Tube Time Podcast. Make sure to 
Go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and rate us. Give us the five-star reviews. Leave comments and tell people to listen to us. What are we what are we talking about next week? What show are we talking about next week? Do you want me to pick? Since or did you want me to pick? I mean, I picked the last episode, but you yeah. picked this. So you could pick the episode. Unless, did you have something in mind, a show in mind? Yeah, I did, Oh, actually. let's do it. Let's do it. What is it? So... I actually just finished it. Dude, you just you just cheesed right away. I was like, did you have one? You're like, yep, big old yeah. smile. What is it? Because this is like literally one of my favorite shows like Ooh. ever. And it's called Grace and Frankie. Grace and Frankie? Yeah. What is it on? It's on Netflix okay. and it's with Jane Fonda in it and this other, I can't remember her name, but yeah. Grace and Frankie. Yeah. So Okay. Yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it. The first episode is a fucking trip. Okay. Like, I'm so excited for you to see this because this, it like, <laughs> just Frankie feels like my spirit animal. Really? Yeah. Okay. This could be interesting. Yeah, I'll check it out. I can't wait. Um, all right, cool. Guys, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. This has been Tube Time. I'm Chris. I'm Courtney. And, um, man, I don't even know what you say with this one. How do we end this one? <laughs> Don't electrocute yourself. I mean, I say don't shit while <laughs> during a lightning storm. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>